to life. Dr. Kavya, thank you for joining us again on the potty. Thank you for having me back. Pleasure to be back. Now, I just thought we'd get rid of the other two girls and have a little one-on-one here and talk about some personal women's health issues. Last time we were here, we kind of threw a bunch of questions at you. We, we weirdly got very vagina-orientated to us three girls and just asking you, like, sex health and, like, is this normal? Should it look like this? All this kind of stuff. So we're kind of staying in that field today, which feels right. Um, That's fine. That's right up my alley. <laughs> so... Obviously, so last episode, um, for our listeners who haven't checked that one out, I highly recommend it. But um, I kind of touched on the fact that I have endo and that my endo, short for endometriosis, my endo story is is a little different. Um, I found out because I was hospitalized twice with severe pain. The first time, just for a bit of context, I woke up running to the bathroom, literally like I was already running before my eyes opened. And next thing I know, my best friend had called the ambulance because I'd passed out on the bathroom floor in such severe pain and mm. things happening on both ends. Here we are. This is this is a bit scary for me, actually, like talking about it because I just don't talk about this situation. Went to hospital, mm. um, had a bunch of – they gave me a lot of morphine for the pain, did a bunch of tests, couldn't work it out. Second time I passed out at work, even more embarrassing. Um, my boss found me with my hand under the toilet cubicle, called the ambulance, so I kind of had this really weird, I had cameras up, down, no one gave me a definitive answer, um, had every test under the sun, then ended up going to the gyno for a completely different reason. And he started asking me questions and I could tell when he was asking the questions, there was something that he was thinking. And he was kind of nodding along when I was answering. And he's like, I think you have endo. And he's like, everything you're saying, down to like some positions in sex being uncomfortable, he said is endometriosis and it blew Mm. my mind so I'm so glad that you're here today so we can kind of debunk some endo myths and busts and there is a bit of shame around it even talking I feel like my voice has gotten quicker because I'm a bit awkward about it because it's like it feels very um personal to be talking about endometriosis yeah and that's that's not unusual I think one of the reasons why Um, symptom onset to diagnosis is so delayed is because we don't talk about it enough and there's not much awareness and we're getting better at it but it's still very much a taboo topic and not so much in our western culture necessarily but a lot of other cultural backgrounds it definitely is. Kind of in layman's terms what is endometriosis? The endometrium is the lining on the inside of our uterus which is that's what we shed you know once a month when we have our period And endometriosis is a condition where the endometrium is found in areas outside of that inner lining of the uterus. So it can end up in lots of different locations, but one of the common places is the pelvic cavity. So it can be on the outside of the uterus, on the tubes, on the ovaries, on the lining of the pelvic cavity, which is called the peritoneum, sometimes in the abdomen, sometimes on the bowel, the bladder, lots of different places. And the other ones are a lot less rare, but sometimes it can be you know, on the diaphragm or the liver, the nose, in our eyes, like it can end up anywhere. Okay, I did not know that. <clears throat> it goes on the nose and the eyes? Yeah, yeah, so it's very rare to end up in places outside of the pelvis. But, um, yeah, there's um, rare cases where you can have endometriosis in the nose and, you know, women will get monthly painful nosebleeds, kind of like their period. I'm shook already. We're, by, we're two minutes in, Dr. Carvey, and I'm already shook. Okay, <laughs> this is why you're here. See, this is why you're here. So for me, I have, it comes on very quickly. 
Um, and I know that I'm either, if I've had, I know kind of what my triggers are. Deep fried food or a lot of alcohol sends, tends to get me like really flared up. But on the other side of that is stress. If I'm emotionally stressed or stressed from work or anything like that, I can have a flare up too. So I can kind of, I've had it for two years now, I can kind of read my body a bit. But is there anything mm. kind of medically that can bring on a endometriosis flare up? And what does that feel like to the common everyday case? Yeah, so the symptoms are quite varied, which is another reason why um, diagnosis can be delayed because there's a wide range of symptoms and they're all quite nonspecific, meaning that they could be caused by other conditions, not just endo. Usually the the flare or the flare-up of the pain is just typically caused by menstruation or that time of the month. Um, when that lining is shedding, it can when it when there's endometriosis in places outside the uterus, it can get a bit inflamed, which over time can cause scarring and nodules and other problems. Pain is obviously one of the most common symptoms, um, and that can be period pain that's more severe than you would expect. Um, and over time, it can be not just at the time of your period, but it can start lasting longer and longer and happening at other times in your cycle, like mid-cycle or other times as well. You can get pain with sex. You can get pain with opening your bladder or, sorry, emptying your bladder or opening your bowels. And you can get a lot of IBS-type symptoms, so bowel changes like bloating, constipation, diarrhea. So that's kind of the pain side of things. And then there's the bleeding symptoms. So you can get more heavy bleeding than usual, clots, bleeding at times when you wouldn't expect to have bleeding, so bleeding or spotting in between your periods or after sex, or even noticing blood in the wee or your poo. And then there's a whole range of other symptoms like lethargy, tiredness, mood changes, vaginal discomfort, so not just from sex but putting in tampons. Or it can another common way it can present is infertility or delayed fertility. So for some women, the first time they'll find out they have endo is because they go to the doctor because they're having trouble getting pregnant. Yeah. I just felt like you just read out my entire diary to all our listeners and I feel very <laughs> exposed, let me tell you. This is definitely out of my comfort zone, but I'm glad we're doing it. And we kind of like, we had a DJ Tiger Lily come on a few weeks ago and she talked about her IBS and it kind of inspired us to be like, let's be open about what we're going through because this can really, like I, because of my endometriosis and the need to know where a bathroom is, because for me, the pain can become nausea as well because it's so painful and obviously the other route. Um, I like to know where a bathroom is at all times if I'm going out socially and then the anxiety of not knowing where a bathroom is or not having direct access should anything go wrong kind of creates this anxiety within me. So it really is. The, the most shocking part, though, was when I was at the gyno, he said, how have your periods been since you started getting them? And I said, always really painful. Um, used to go home from work or school crying, sobbing for two days. And I thought that was normal. And the biggest thing mm. he said is, yeah, periods are not comfortable, but they're not supposed to be so uncomfortable. And I think a lot of women put up with it thinking that that's normal. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a misconception that period pain is normal. And that can be because, um, as we said earlier, it's not a topic that we talk about a lot. But I think there's also sort of a societal or cultural impact to that. Like if we think about movies or memes or TikToks or whatever, like we see girls or women dying from their period pain and, you know, having this really severe experience that it's that message is delivered in a way that it's meant to be sort of funny or relatable, mm. but not in the context that period pain is not normal and this is something that you need to see a doctor about and get sorted out. There's a type of period pain that is considered normal, which we call primary period pain. Um, so that's when you have 
pain maybe the day before or the first couple of days of your period, very manageable with Panadol and Nurofen, not stopping you from going to school or work or sport or any of your other activities. And, you know, certainly not to the point where you're nauseated, vomiting, passing out, anything like that. Mm -hmm. And then, so that kind of period pain we consider normal. Then there's secondary period pain, which is caused by conditions like endometriosis, which is, you know, certainly not in that category, starts impacting your daily functioning, starts impacting your mental health and your ability to kind of mentally cope with your symptoms um, and all of that. Yeah, and it's even like when I was single, it even impacted like my dating as well. Because I'd be really embarrassed. Like if I had a flare up, you can physically see if it's a bad one. I look like I'm nine months pregnant and it's, you know, I got really self-conscious about that. You don't want to eat anything. And it's, yeah, it's, it's just such an all encompassing thing. And I think the more that we can talk about it and like get the information out there. And I'm sure there are people listening, girls out there listening now that are like, oh, actually, maybe I do have that. I wanted to ask you, though, as I said, I kind of know what my food triggers are. It could just be the time of month, as you said. But it seems to be the biggest one for me is the stress. If I have a stress brought about flare-up, it's like so much worse. And I was just Mm. interested in the correlation between emotional stress and a stomach (laughs) flare-up. The thing with endometriosis is we're not 100% sure what causes it. We've got some good theories that explain it, um, but it's not sort of 100% super well understood yet. So I can talk about the main theory of what causes it, but there is some newer theories emerging in the last few years where we think it's a chronic inflammatory condition that might have an autoimmune component to it as well. And um, if we think about it that way, then we can see why things like stress, um, nutrition have um, such an impact on women's symptoms who have endometriosis and why that can cause flare-up of symptoms. But the sort of main working theory is retrograde or backwards menstruation. So normally the lining of the uterus, you know, sheds and it should come out through the vagina. But the theory is that it can also flow backwards through the tubes and end up in your pelvis. And most of the time that should get broken down and sort of reabsorbed by your body. But sometimes those endometrial cells just stay there and start growing and, you know, de- those deposits stay there and that, that's what ends up as endometriosis. So that's kind of why we think it happens, but the, it's certainly um, looking like it's probably more complex than that and there's other autoimmune inflammatory, other sort of things going on that um, that's why it's still, you know, a bit, bit of a puzzling condition. And I'm glad that we're at the forefront. I feel like we're really pioneering that, like, the last couple of years there's been so much more talk about it about what's going on there. I had a, um, my lovely partner surprised me with an infrared sauna over the weekend, followed by a float tank for an hour at this beautiful wellness retreat. And it was all targeted at anti-inflammation. Is there any kind of foods that you'd recommend women with endo stay away from or have more of? Anything dietary like Mm. that? Yeah, so if we look at the formal you know, GP college or um, ONG college, um, which is RANS, those guidelines, they'll tell you that um, there is no particular diet that will help endometriosis. However, we know from women's experience that they do find that certain foods are triggering. And then when we think about endometriosis that deposits on the bowel, particularly if it's um, deep infiltrating, meaning it's invaded deeper into the tissues, it makes sense that things like constipation or certain foods will make it much more painful to go to the bathroom. So I guess the dietary advice is very much um, 
individualized or customized to each particular patient. So working with um, a qualified dietitian, um, ideally one who has a special interest in, you know, pelvic inflammatory conditions and endometriosis, um, you can sort of start to work out what your trigger foods are because that will differ from person to person and then start to avoid those foods at certain times of the cycle or even for longer periods of your cycle. Um, but it is important to do that with a dietitian because if you are avoiding certain food groups or certain foods, you want to make sure um, you're replacing that with something else and still getting a nutritionally complete diet. Yeah, beautiful. And so for girls that are listening at home, um, I know we've, we have already kind of touched on it, but what are the things that they should be really looking out for if they haven't been diagnosed yet and they think, oh, something might be a bit off? What are the biggest kind of telltale signs that they should go get checked? Period pain, you know, not just that first couple of days, not relieved by simple Panadol and Eurofin heat packs. Um, if it's impacting your function, so if you're missing days of work, school, um, sport, whatever it is, every month, if your symptoms are getting worse over time, so maybe you've always had painful periods, but as time goes on, as the years go on, it's getting worse and worse or lasting longer and longer. And if it's impacting your mental health or your mental capacity to cope. And then I guess the other thing is because the symptoms are quite broad and varied, maybe you've been diagnosed with IBS or another condition, but it's it hasn't been well managed with the usual low FODMAP diet or the usual treatment for that other condition then it's worth worth having a chat about your periods um, with your GP and a gynecologist as well. Yeah, beautiful. I think also because we're putting everything on the table, um, as I said, the gyno told me it sounds like you have endo. He said, I can go in and cut you open and find out for sure because apparently that's the only way they can really confirm your diagnosis is to do a bit of procedure there. But I, yeah. of course, have keloid because you said that for the mix too. Uh, so he was, my, and keloid is basically a scar tissue thing where if I have a procedure or surgery, I, I scar more. I'm sure you know that, just letting our listeners know. But so he was more hesitant to go in there. He said, I can't really do much either way if it is, like I think it is, if I go in there and, and make you scar, we're kind of back to square one anyway. How important is it for me to really get that formal diagnosis as opposed to just treating it as if I do have endo? I guess it depends on how confident we are um, in the diagnosis based on history examination and we can get some information from a good ultrasound as well. And it also depends on how well we've been able to manage your symptoms with other treatment options other than surgery. Um, but if the diagnosis is, you know, not confirmed based on, you know, history examination, ultrasound, or if we've tried the pill or the Mirena IUD or a few treatments and hasn't been enough to control your symptoms and allow you to function day to day, then I think it's important to consider having that keyhole surgery. So one, they can have a look inside and diagnose it for sure. But secondly, the surgery is both diagnostic and treatment. So they can remove the endometriosis at the same time when they go in. Um, and often that's quite an effective treatment for a lot of women. Yeah, it's so interesting because he said he said all of my symptoms check out, but there's just that little question mark in my head like, what if it isn't? <laughs> but as yeah, I said, I've had no, the only way to diagnose it for sure is to have a look inside and and see see if it's there. Yeah. And when they remove it, they also send the the you know the tissue and the patches of endo that they remove. They send them off to the lab to confirm that it is endo when they look under a microscope. Do you think? Because I think I've heard, especially the last couple of years, more girls being diagnosed with it formally. Do you think we're just getting more cases of it, or do you think we're just more aware of it? I think um, awareness is slowly increasing and even from the educational perspective of me as a doctor and other doctors 
our awareness is also increasing as well. So the type of education I got around period pain and the broad range of ways that endometriosis can present is probably a little bit more than my colleagues that graduated 10, 20 years before me. Um, so I think we are getting better at being aware of it and diagnosing it. Patients are getting better at picking it up. And, you know, there's more research and understanding and handouts out there. And we know that it's not just period pain. It can present in other ways. I think the biggest thing that I've taken away today is it's so personal. It's so case by case to your situation. And I actually haven't gone to a dietitian. So I've always said I was, especially since being diagnosed, half diagnosed. I've thought I've got to go there and get this sorted out. And I have kept a food diary and I kind of know what my triggers are, but to formally know and to know that I'm getting the right stuff in my body for, for what I'm dealing with here. I've heard somewhere too endo does fall under the IBS umbrella. Is that right? There's a big overlap between the two conditions. One, endometriosis can present similar to IBS symptoms. And two, there's a huge overlap, as in a lot of patients with endo also have IBS and vice versa. Gorgeous. Isn't this just not just two girls <laughs> kicking back talking about our medical well one of them talking about all their detailed medical. But I'm really I'm really glad that we did this today and I think that as I said, I think it needs to be talked about more and this was definitely a huge thing getting out of my comfort zone and talking about it. But there shouldn't be the stigma. You know what I mean? I deal with a medical issue that puts me in a lot of pain and, and makes me feel really nauseous and I think that I know that I'm not the only girl going through it too. So yeah, I'd yeah. love the conversation to keep going. Is there any kind of like research or, or things that we can you know promote here or like what's how can yeah. I help the cause well this podcast is a really good first step um but I guess just take home message is not all period pain is normal and if it's getting to a point where it's messing with your life you definitely need to talk to your doctor secondly there's some great resources online be careful not to fall into that Google trap of running down random forums and blogs. The Jane Hales website is a really good resource for all things women's health. So if you're looking for information on endo or PCOS or anything in the women's health, then that's a really good place to find good evidence-based information that's in patient-friendly language. And yeah, talk to your friends. Don't normalize period pain. I think we all laugh about, you know, how terrible our cramps are and how we're dying. It feels like our uterus is exploding and we say, you know, all these crazy things, but we don't say, I'm unwell, this is abnormal, I need medical help. Mm. Um, so that, that messaging needs to change as well. Do you know, I, I never get nervous and I literally, I can feel my sweat under my arms and I know my voice. I know I've been talking quicker than usual. I can feel it. Um, but I'm so glad we did this. And thank you so much for answering the questions. I feel like this was, I learned a lot and I thought I knew a lot about it already. But thank you so much for coming on here and, and giving us some insight into endo and what we can look out for. You're very welcome. Good on you for speaking up about it. I'm sure it helped lots of people.